Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about Sin City Exposed, a tragic soap opera. Now, what do you think? Um, what city do you think that might be? Las Vegas, of course. Although these days, I guess it could, I guess it could describe a lot of cities around the world. But Paris Hilton's recent drug arrest has brought the spotlight once again back to Vegas, the town that never sleeps. Uh, she was arrested there recently for cocaine possession, and uh, she and her boyfriend, actually, who worked in Vegas, uh, was apparently fired after this. Uh, the police uh, got uh, a whiff of um, what was inside their car and uh, decided, thought that there was some marijuana and wound up finding some cocaine in Paris's handbag, which she has tried to say was not hers. She borrowed it or she accidentally picked up the wrong handbag or something like that. But then uh, some clever people searching the Internet found that, in fact, she had, they had there were pictures of that handbag, that purse, um, belonging to Paris uh, a ways back. And so it's going to be very tricky for her to try to claim now that, that well, she never saw that before. What happened in Vegas used to stay in Vegas, but not anymore, not since today's guest exposed it all in his book, Under the Neon Sky, A Las Vegas Doorman Story. My guest is Jay Rankin, and we're going to find out what really goes on behind the glare and gambling and glitz and gluttony. But um, before we do find out about Vegas, Jay, I'd like to find out about you. You are, You have a master's in psychology, and my first question, since I typically put my guests on Dr. Carol's couch on Dr. Carol's couch um, to find out how what's a master's in psychology like you doing in a town like that as a doorman yet? Well, when you put it like that, I, always, I obviously have issues. So I think your couch is probably going to be a good thing for conversation anyway. Um, you know, I, I, I just think that as people go through their lives, sometimes things go right, left, it segues to this, it goes to that, but um, back when I was younger, I did um, want to become a therapist and uh, received my master's degree and, and um, did some marriage family child counseling, did some drug interaction stuff, worked with adolescents. I had also been a probation officer for L.A. County, and um, and then as my life went on, I, I wound up in real estate, and I was a builder, and then I ended up in Vegas building, and that segue to a television show that I had, which didn't last too long, and and but I because of that, I did get to know a lot of people in Las Vegas, and um, I had always heard that being a doorman was the highest tipping job in the city. Mm. And uh, that was one of the main reasons why I went ahead and applied for the job. I knew a lot of people, and, and that helped me land the job. They only needed seven people, and there were about um, 1,600 1, uh applications. Wow. But I will say one-third of which didn't get the job right off the bat because they failed the drug test. 
<laughs> you mean they were clean? <laughs> yeah, they were spotless, absolutely. <laughs> okay, and so um, you became the doorman at the MGM Grand and uh, for six years, right? Yes. And so began your saga. Um, so, so tell us about, about what it was. Well, first tell us about why you decided to write this book. Well, um, we in the very beginning after training when the hotel actually had its grand opening, um, just be prior to that, just several days before that, we put our names in a hat. And um, it being a 24-7 town, um, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to actually live it. Mm-hmm. Um, weekends, uh, shifts, uh were very different, and as they picked the names out of the hats, my days off were Thursdays and Fridays, which meant that was my weekend. And if you can follow me, that meant that Saturday was my Monday, Monday was my hump day, and and um, my weekend, of course, was Thursdays and Fridays. But I also was selected to work the 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. shift. So I immediately... Uh, could see um, that Las Vegas was very different during the day as, as the sun went down. It began to change so dramatically, and it was such a powerful experience for me to view and watch and listen on, to all of this stuff uh, going on around me that I started taking notes. Um, I don't really remember why I took notes. I I think that a lot of guests had said, gee whiz, uh, you know, they'd walk up to me and say, I bet you've got a lot of stories. Mm. And, in fact, I started gathering stories hmm. uh, th- through the years. And that's kind of, it wasn't necessarily a goal to write a book as much as it might have been something therapeutic for me just to uh, get it out of my head and write it down. Uh, it was a bit overwhelming for me right from the very beginning, so... It was so new to me. I, I really had never worked in the hotel industry before. I had never worked um, with hotel managers before, which were, were a real wonderful group of people, uh, but not always. Um, and I had never worked uh, in a job where the guest is always right, even though they're, many of them are drunk and uh, haven't eaten in a couple days, haven't slept in a couple days, and are losing money. So it was a real challenge for me, and um, I began taking notes. Hmm, uh, that's very interesting. And yes, I could see it's it's you know especially in a town where there's no uh, you know well I mean you were outside presumably a lot of the time, but still um, no windows, no clocks. Um, I mean, it's so disorienting. The whole town is so surreal and disorienting. I guess it was also a way to sort of keep yourself oriented by taking notes. I think so. Um, I think that there were a number of things that were happening to me um, as the job went on, and some of it did have to do with the backdrop of Las Vegas. Uh, But in those days... Uh, keeping in mind that the MGM had over 5,000 rooms and they had a theme park and they had three showrooms, one of which held 15,000, 16,000 people, and then you add to that 
the conventions. I was really standing in the eye of a hurricane, and and people would come from all walks of life, every ethnicity, and and you know every uh, job title where they had conventions were, were coming in. Certainly, the holidays, the Cinco de Mayo, and um, the Chinese New Year, and certainly New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day. These were all. It was it was just a a job of of volume, and it was also a job that changed. Uh, one day it could be the Chinese New Year, and the city would gear up for that. And the next thing you know, within a week, it could have been the national finals rodeo, hmm. where everything changed dramatically. The personality of all the guests and the restaurants, the food, um, the entertainment. Everything was geared for whoever came into town. Mm. Las Vegas was very good at reinventing itself continually. Mm. So it was a challenge for me. It really was. Although, I have to say that after a while, I became somewhat addicted to it. I became addicted to the the um, intensity and the charge and and the smells and the sights and the noise and all of that stuff. It really... Um, became a part of me for a while. I think it was frying me while I it was a I was getting addicted to it, but uh-huh. but it was for me uh, a very interesting experience for six solid years working in the middle of the night at the biggest hotel in the world in Las Vegas. Well, tell us about some of these stories. Tell us, tell us some of the some of your favorites. <laughs> Um, some of my favorites. I, I, first of all, in order for it to make sense, maybe for some of your listeners, it's important to know that um, there's a lot of fear tactics in in Las Vegas when it comes to employees. Management, I think, understands and realizes how chaotic and crazy and uh, Las Vegas can get. What the turnovers are, how important it is. Um, and how competitive it is there. Uh, it's no longer mob run. It, it's now quarterly earnings. It's Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And it's important these guests come back, and I don't care how abusive they were. So um, a lot of the challenges for the employees were certainly to deal with so many issues with the guests and to just be nice, be nice, be nice. Mm-hmm. And... If we weren't nice, we were written up. If we weren't nice and a guest complained, uh, we could be terminated. And uh, the money was so big, and it was such a great job with perks, with with health and 401Ks and free food and all of that stuff, that it was um, scary to, to be terminated. So all of us, you know, just kind of sucked it up and, worked as hard as we could. So keeping all of that in mind, we had to learn how to deal with people. And you know, we it's had... interesting. You don't think about um, a doorman at one of these hotels having a 401K plan, for example, or all these, all these other perks that you mentioned. Huh, okay. Absolutely. This was a business, more than a job almost. Um, as a doorman, um, I learned to make connections with concierges, with other doormen 
not necessarily in the hotels, but in the nightclubs, the topless clubs, the um, the hosts uh, and hostesses in in fine restaurants. Um, it was it was very important that I could refer people to uh, whatever their wishes were, and I could also open doors for people who couldn't open the doors themselves. I could get them a a couple seats in a showroom, even if the show was sold out. Um, I could do all of these things. Uh, you were like a somewhat concierge as well as, I mean, you were opening literal doors as well as uh, metaphorical doors. I could open any door. Um, I just, you know, my challenge was to keep it as legal as I could. I didn't want to get involved in things like drugs at all, but I would get involved with, with a lot of the brothels. Uh, because there were so many kickbacks with that, and um, I really learned the city well. And you know, yeah, it, I was going to ask you about that. So when you made these referrals to, let's say, the brothels or the different clubs and so on, um, you would get paid for each of these. You would get the kickbacks. Oh, I would get have... the kickback depending on what they wanted, what their needs were, because there were so many different types of topless clubs and and brothels. Believe it or not. Hmm. <laughs> so you had to be very well versed in all this. Well, we need to at, on that uh, uh, teaser of a note. We we will take a break and we will be back. My guest is Jay Rankin. He is the author of Under the Neon Sky: A Las Vegas Doorman Story. And we'll hear more of his stories when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Sin City Exposed, a tragic soap opera. And the writer of this soap opera is Jay Rankin. He has written a book called Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman story, which, by the way, has won. uh, That book became a finalist in the Indie Excellence Book Awards competition. Um, before the break, we were talking about brothels. <laughs> Surely we need to go back to that. Um, and how you sort of needed to know what you could get where so that you could tell the people who were asking you all these things. Absolutely. It was all networking. And, and you know, to me, I always saw a brothel or a topless club or all-nude club as a business and um, that had demand. And... Um, when you know it's just like anything else um i'm in the service industry although there may be people that are selling something but it's all the same thing as long as you've got supply and demand um that's really what what makes things go around and where everybody involved gets a piece of the action and um for example a topless club um just that alone there's a lot to know it, it, do you want all topless? Uh, excuse me, all new? Do you want topless? There's a difference. In all new, they don't serve alcohol. They're not allowed to. And in topless clubs, they do. Do you want something really quiet and classy with private rooms that are very um, high-end and expensive? Or do you want something that's fun and crazy and nuts and lots of loud music and people doing shots and girls walking all through the crowd? So it really depends on your mood. And with the brothels uh, as well, um, there's, a, there's a brothel in Pahrump, which is where it's legal in Nye County. It's about a 50-minute drive from Vegas. Uh, and there's one brothel that's small, and um, it's just kind of straightforward. And then there's another brothel right next to it that's absolutely beautiful. They have marble floors and a grand piano and art and a restaurant and 
um, there's a workout room and there's uh, cabanas and a and uh, private uh, themed rooms and um, it really depends. Some college types might say, "No, I want to go to a more straightforward, conventional get in, get out." Whereas you know, other people may want to spend the weekend. Hmm. Um, well, so it's really obvious, based on their needs. Here's the obvious question: In order for you to know about all these different uh, clubs and brothels and so on, um, I would imagine that you had to try these things out yourself. I didn't try them out myself. What I did do is educate myself. I, I went there. I saw them. I hung out. I'd go with uh, a coworker so that we knew exactly what we were talking about. For us, like I had said before, this is about money. Uh, we knew that we were going to be asked anywhere from probably three to 500 questions per shift per day. And some of the questions had to do with restaurants and some of them had to do with brothels. Or, or shows, or nightclubs. Um, it, it was just uh, all over the place, and we really needed to know the city because they would come back and tip us. And we also provided transportation to the brothels, um, and we got a piece of that, which meant that we got a part of the uh, cab driver's commission for the drive or the limo driver's, and we also got a part of what the guests spent there, because hmm. uh, that was kicked back to the drivers. So, so besides your 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. shift, you were doing all of this scouting work um, during the other hours. Well, on my days off, of course I was. I would go into the lounges of the hotels. I would hang out with a buddy, and we'd go to a couple topless clubs. Um, I had a television show prior to getting the job, so I already knew of most of the restaurants that were in the city. And um, I knew what was a good French or good Italian, you know, or a good steakhouse. Uh, Indian food, Chinese food, it, it was really important that we knew this stuff. So how uh, you, you alluded before to um, uh, this becoming an addiction, you know, the excitement, the intensity, and so on. Um, being around all of this in the center of the whirlwind all the time. And you were married at the time. Did you have any children? No. So you were married. And what did you, did your wife work? She did. And that's, you know, that's another area of Las Vegas that's yet another challenge. Um, keeping in mind that I love Las Vegas, I, I mean, I don't want to bash the city. I really don't. I think that it's got the most incredible stuff that's so unique. It's just a wonderful town. But that being said, um, if, if you do work at, in, within a 24-hour shift, in other words, if you do have a job other than a 9-to-5, one of the issues is going to be keeping contact with your family. And my wife, uh, for example, worked during the day. And it was very difficult for us because we never saw each other all week. And we we did get to spend the weekends, the Thursdays and Fridays together. She got the same days off. But I learned that um, not seeing my wife for uh, five days um, was going to present a major challenge for us. 
Uh, I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that at the time until it began to happen. And then there were little red flags that came up, which is, I'm bored. I'm tired of sitting around uh, every night while you're at work. Mm-hmm. And um, my first day off of my weekend, I didn't want to move. I was so exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was dying to go out and, and party and get crazy and hear good music or see a show. And it was just um, a slow, degenerating um, relationship until she, in fact, did go out there. Because in Vegas, the landmines are everywhere. You know, there's a party going on everywhere at all times. And she went out with her girlfriends, and that was the end of our relationship in time. It It was very difficult. So... Uh, that's one of the real caveats with working in Las Vegas is maintaining that connection, that contact with the people that you love. Yeah. If you don't, um, it's it's not going to end up being a happy story. Yeah. Well, and I, I gather, so did it end in divorce, I guess, at some point? It did. But there again, there's a lot of very happy relationships in Las Vegas. Um, there are people that do work the same shifts, do have the same days off. It's it's a it's a great city. It's, it's fairly new. The neighborhoods are absolutely beautiful. They've got skiing. They've got a huge lake. They've got the racetrack. You've got the best restaurants and and entertainment in the world. Uh, the best music. It all comes there. It comes right to your doorstep when you live there. Even if you're a senior citizen, the retirement communities are right on golf courses, and a bus will pick you up every day and take you to play bingo if that's what you <laughs> love doing. <laughs> so it's it's just really a neat, alive, electric town. It really is. Okay, now tell us some of the uh, darker stories. <laughs> well, the darker stories are that, like I alluded to, there are landmines everywhere in Las Vegas. Um, there are conventioneers that come into town, and they, you know, this is where what happens there stays there. Um, the conventioneers have no responsibility to anyone. Uh, visitors really have no responsibility to anyone, whether you're a woman or a man. So if you're going there to party and you end up um, buying someone a drink or having an affair, um or even getting in a, involved in a, in a fairly quick two, two-day re- relationship, affair that's very intense, um, the, the odds of getting hurt, getting angry, or being disappointed pointed are great mm. uh, because all these people are going back home, some of whom are going home to their families. Mm. So who you thought you were with um, isn't that person. He could have been Preacher Bob from Indiana, or he could have been, you know, a very successful businessman with a wife and three children that you thought was your dream person. Mm -hmm. So, and plus, there's a lot of people that are there also just to have the affair. They understand. They know. Uh, They're just there to get crazy and to party. So, it's... It's Las Vegas. I mean, people come, people go. Um, if you want to know what Las Vegas is about, look at what it has to offer. The nightclubs are unbelievable. Well, 
if they're building nightclubs like that, it must mean that they're getting a lot of business. There's a lot of demand. So the nightclubs are very smart. They target people. Can't have nightclubs that that are all the same. Some are targeting people in their 20s, college kids. Others are targeting people in their 30s. Some are targeting people that are middle-aged. Um, but this is what Las Vegas does. It has its targets. Now, you did, uh, I watched your CNN interview, and uh, you said that one of the most memorable nights was the night when Mike Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear. Yes. Well, tell us about that. Well, a Mike Tyson fight, and, and this is... This is the first chapter of my story as well, and it's a free download on my website. But the Mike Tyson fights, when he got out of prison, the hotel had just opened, and the hotel uh, had made a five-fight contract with Mike Tyson. And um, these were nights that we really needed to prepare for. I don't care who was in town or what the event or what the holiday was. Um Certain things absolutely filled the town. Comdex, CES, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, um, all of this stuff, but nothing uh, came close to a Mike Tyson fight. And what he brought to the city, and I don't mean just to the MGM, it was to the whole city. I know we're taking a break. Yes, I was just going to so say. So I'd like to finish this backdrop before ahead, I get into what happened? Go no, I'll, I'll wait till after the break. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> All right, well, we're living, leaving on another cliffhanger. Yeah. I guess this Jay Rankin. See, I guess Jay, you're good at these cliffhangers from your experience as a doorman under under the neon sky. The name of his book, A Las Vegas Doorman Story. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart, but I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Sin City Exposed, a tragic soap opera. And uh, the narrator of this soap opera is Jay Rankin. He has written a book called Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman's story. And before the break, we were talking about one of his uh, exciting stories about Mike Tyson, the night that Mike uh, chewed on an ear. So continue with that. Well, I think we were describing the backdrop um, to the kind of people that, that Mike Tyson brought into the city and how... It was very different than conventions or holidays. Uh, the crowds um, were so energized and and uh, so mixed, culturally mixed, um, that we needed to prepare. We needed to get rest and eat really well a couple days before a Mike Tyson event. Uh, the city would always sell out every hotel room, restaurant, nightclub would sell out completely. It wasn't the event itself, which, you know, there were only about fifteen, sixteen thousand 16,000 seats where the actual fight was, but it, it, it was just the event of a Mike Tyson fight that brought uh, 150,000 people into the city to just party and get crazy. And we had a mix of people from celebrity status, Beverly Hills, uh, through the uh, East Coast and West Coast Crips and Bloods. Hmm. Uh, lots of veteran gangbangers would show up. They all kind of claim Mike as their own, and it brought that mix in. And it was just a um, a very intense, electrifying uh, backdrop. And um, for myself, um, it was also a real big challenge because I knew that the city would be gridlocked, It'd be very difficult to get transportation for people. We needed to be very organized. Um, I don't think there was one uh, metro police officer that had the night off during a Mike Tyson fight. So we had lots of police. Uh, security was was on high high alert, and um, it was just a wild, crazy time every time Mike Tyson fought. But the night that he had bit off a piece of uh, Vander Holyfield's ear created a riot. The It got so nuts and so crazy, 
in the uh, arena where they were fighting as the 15,000, of course, the fight was called off um, because of what happened, and the crowd went nuts. They went crazy from what I heard. And then as they flowed back into the casino, as the story goes, even though when people came running out screaming shots, they're shooting guns, Hmm. uh, the hotel said that it was just the opening of champagne bottles, the corks popping, that caused the crowds to panic, and panic they did. Um, Was that true? Was it really just the corks, or were there shots? Well, I'll leave it up to you. Um, (laughs) I think there were shots. uh, Yeah, I I mean, it it was so... um, Intense for me because we actually heard the rumble. It was like cattle stampeding, hmm. and we couldn't figure out what the noise was. And um, as they came, as the crowds came into the front desk, which is huge at the MGM, it was like um, I'd never seen masses of people running that fast. And when they hit all the double glass doors, uh, they literally trampled police. And a lot of the guests that, that that were near that door, people tried to outrun the crowds. Uh, my my coworker and I stepped to the side, and it was a blur of people. It was like water rushing by, um, wow. and they were screaming. They're shooting guns. They're shooting guns. And of course, a lot of people got trampled. A lot of people got hurt that night. And what ended up happening is SWAT came in and they shut the hotel down completely. And they roped off the entire hotel, cleaned up the mess, and uh, put the uh, blackjack and and the um, all the other gaming tables back upright. Collected the chips that had all been knocked over. I heard it looked like a tornado hit the casino. And within about four hours, they reopened the hotel with all of the injured people being taken away by ambulance. Wow. And then they had a press release stating uh, for the press that it was the champagne court mm, wow. that were making the noise. But um, I'd, li- I'd like to kind of stick with those nights, uh, not necessarily that particular night, yeah. but a Mike Tyson night, because for myself, that was really a proving ground for me to put into practice all of the things that I needed as a doorman in the middle of the, of the night to really hone in order to survive. And, again, dealing with guests from different cultures, different parts of the world, um, people that had been drinking Bloody Marys for dinner for two days, losing money. I think that drugs and alcohol takes... Uh, people's uh, thoughts, which turn into passion, which turns into sometimes uh, verbal and physical stuff, uh, to a whole new level. Um, You know, whatever stops people from doing what they would normally do, when you're polluted enough, Mm -hmm. um, it takes away all of those filters. Right. And I needed to learn how to read people, and I needed to learn how to deal with people in this environment. I needed to learn to be nice and to not engage. Um, 
keeping in mind that most people were having a great time. They were laughing, having fun, um, just having the time of their lives, whether it was taking in what Vegas offers or the romance, um, the sex sells. I don't care what it was. They were having fun. Um, but then there were those that I needed to deal with because I didn't have the backup. I didn't have the support. I wasn't uh, standing at the front desk next to a supervisor and other co-workers. Hmm. Um, it, I wasn't in valet where there were 10 or 15 guys all together that could be a witness. I stood there alone, and all I had was a camera um, pointing at me, um, which which wasn't enough for me considering a camera couldn't hear what was being said mm. so keeping all of this in mind the rule for me because i had to learn this was if somebody throws a drink in your face or flicks a cigarette at you your life is not in danger you will take that and you will swallow it and you will be nice and you will get rid of the situation i wasn't that personality type i i had been a bouncer when I was younger. I worked as a probation officer with gang kids when I was younger. Um, it wasn't my temperament to swallow this kind of stuff. And I wasn't prepared for that. And um, what I needed to do was to learn how to survive this for myself. Um, and, and what I did instinctually is I began to read people. I looked into their eyes because I wanted to know how bloodshot they were. Uh, I wanted to know if they were clearly staring at me or staring at a slight angle, hmm. uh, which told me that they had something in their system. I smelled them because uh, as they spoke to me, I needed to know if they were chewing gum or if they were drinking alcohol. I needed to know if... If uh, it was beer, was it, you know, what was it that I was smelling? Was it scotch? I needed to look at their clothes and the texture of their face. Were they dehydrated? Was there a sheen to their face? Did they look or smell dirty? Uh, were they smokers? Were their hands dirty from coins? It was really important to me that I, I looked at their clothes. Um, and this happened within seconds where so I would, would try to put all this together so I knew who I was dealing with. Uh -huh. And I looked at their, their gait and, and their mood, their expression, the way they delivered the words. Now, I only did this when I felt like I needed to protect myself. Uh -huh. So it was important to me to know how out of control this person was or how explosive they were. Well, now yeah. you, you, you. I was asking you during the break about um, about why you left, and um, one of the things that you mentioned was that you had a friend who was shot and killed because he had an affair with a topless dancer. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, I did, and and the, you know these are stories that are not uncommon, even with coworkers, and and certainly. Um, uh, this was not the most uncommon story in Las mm -hmm. Vegas because, like I had said earlier, the landmines are everywhere. You, you could go out innocently, um, not looking for anything, and suddenly there's something that's called chemistry. 
that hits you between the eyes. And um, it can really knock you off balance easily. And I had a friend, and he, he had had a wife and a child, and he got involved um, with a dancer. And he was a driver, and he, he worked in the middle of the night as well. And, you know, ultimately, I think affairs kind of come full circle very often. And uh, as he wanted to go back to his wife, the topless dancer shot and killed him. Oh, wow, the dancer shot and killed him. Well, that's, that makes it a little more dramatic. I was thinking it was like her husband or boyfriend or something. No, wow. it was she. Wow. All right, we do need to take another break. This hour is going so quickly with your stories. <laughs> My guest is Jay Rankin. His book is Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas Storeman Story. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with Jay Rankin. 
He is the author of Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman story. And, of course, you know, Jay, you're not the typical um, Las Vegas doorman in the sense that uh, since you had a master's in psychology before you went to Vegas or became a Vegas doorman, um, you were able to analyze people uh, at a deeper level, you know, or analyze the problems and situations and, and uh, look at it from from a psychological point of view more than the typical doorman. So what does happen to people's heads when they get to Vegas? Great question. Um, I think that Las Vegas um, is a place where you can do anything you want, you can be anything you want, you can live out fantasies, and you can do it without a paper trail if you choose. And I think that a lot of people in their lives never get to experience what that feels like, uh, the feeling of freedom. And I don't mean freedom from being an American. I'm talking about freedom from yourself and all of your own personal boundaries. And I think a, a lot of people, you know, get a little nuts. They have trouble with that, with that kind of freedom. And to the point where I think it releases so much serotonin in the brain that it is one of the reasons that addictions create pathways. Um, when you understand an addiction and that pleasure that happens so quickly that, that people can, um, they don't have a bedtime. There is no last call. There's no one to answer to. All of their fantasies are laid on a platter in front of them. All it takes is a little bit of money and, and, and knowing where to go. And, and you can live it all. You can do it all. And, um, and I've seen it so much. And interestingly, um, certainly most people have a great time, but, but even the ones that hurt themselves, that, that, drink so much and eat so little and sleep so little and lose so much money, even they have an experience of what I call the grand illusion, which is, geez, how was your trip to Vegas? Oh, I had the best time. I had the time of my life, even though um, they did lose money and they did hurt themselves a little bit. And, of course, in my mind, that's where terms like delusions, denial, distortion, projection, rationalization, you know, all of the great um, uh, defense mechanisms really kick in. But nevertheless, I do think that people go there to just experience a freedom, to just do what they want whenever they want, and they can have anything they want. You want a Cuban cigar, you want to do a few lines of cocaine, you want a woman... Uh, you want the best French food you've ever had and eat it with a view of the city with Cristal, you can have it. Uh, you can have it all. It's, it's all laid out in front of you. And I think that that's a very um, intense, unique, and, and sometimes overwhelming experience for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you've seen everything from... Um you know, people who lost it all, lost all their money in any case, and uh, were suicidal to people who won it all or had a fabulous time by letting go, you know, living it, living it up for the time they were there and, and um, being ecstatically happy on the other end. 
And I've seen um, a lot of relationships go through those extremes where uh, people would come outside absolutely hysterical um, or people would come outside enraged with each other, so angry with each other. Um, I've even seen physical violence. Um, it just the electrical charge in the casino became overwhelming to them and then I've seen odd things one of which comes to mind was the man who got into a cab and um, I opened the door he got in I closed the door the cab drove off the woman that was next in line was looking in her purse and when she looked up she asked me where her husband went <laughs> and my thought was geez why did he do that? That he actually forgot that she was with him. Well, and unconsciously, she, he obviously wanted to get rid of her. <laughs> I'm not sure what he wanted or needed to do at that point, but she did run after the cab because I remember her heels and how tight her skirt was <laughs> as she was trying to chase down the cab. And did it stop? No, <laughs> didn't stop. It went around the corner. Oh wow. <laughs> So, you know, stuff like that, you know, I saw a lot. Um, people would lose each other. Where's my husband? Where's my wife? I haven't seen him in 24 hours. I know he's here somewhere. Uh, just, you know, it, just a lot of funny stories with people that work there, the cab drivers. What an odd lot they are. You know, some of them, their, their cabs smelled like a garbage dump, and others had a pine salt spray. Hmm that just before they'd stop, some wore casual clothes, some wore a suit and tie to work. Uh, they were just a, a, a great, wonderful, colorful breed of people from all over the world. Um, the, and, the king. And, and just tell us, you know, we, we only have a few minutes left, and of course I want to tell people where they can get your book and so on, um, but just tell us the reasons why you left, because I think um, probably my listeners are wondering that. After six years, why did you leave? Well, I, I had lost a, a good friend. A friend and we did, right? Yeah, and that that helped. I was in a relationship, a marriage that had really kind of um, lived its course, and uh, it was time um, to go. My parents uh, in Los Angeles were getting much older. A lot of people in Vegas come from other places, and they leave family, and... Um, I didn't want to be one of those that didn't spend enough time with my family as they were, you know, getting much older. So there were motivating factors there as well as job burnout. I think I had eaten and swallowed quite enough. And I I had taken enough notes. I had bought a body bag that I hung in the garage. I had hit that thing enough times to get rid of my rage before going to sleep every night. Mm. I had just, it wasn't my temperament anymore. It mm. just wasn't me. I had seen enough coworkers fall through the cracks, get involved with the gambling and the drinking, and it was time for me to go. And I, on a happy note, um, I want to tell my listeners that you have uh, since then left Vegas and gotten involved in, in another career um, and gotten married and had a baby, and now this book that I'm going to tell people how to get uh, is being considered for a pilot. So it's a very happy ending to this story, yes. story um, which you can get the book on uh, Barnes & Noble, the website for Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com, and tell people about what's on your website. 
My website, which is at jayslasvegas.com, uh, is filled with uh, my Facebook and Twitter and certainly uh, a bunch of other articles that I've written about Las Vegas. I'm still very connected to the city. Uh, I, I think it's just such a great town. And you can also download my first chapter for free and read it and see if it's the kind of book you want. And if you click on the Amazon or Barnes & Noble links on my website, uh, it'll take you right to the page at jayslasvegas.com. Yes, and let me spell that. Um, jayslasvegas.com is J-A-Y-S, lasvegas.com. Yes, J-A-Y-S, lasvegas.com. Well, thank you very much, Jay. This has been uh, a very colorful sneak peek into um, a side of Las Vegas that people don't really see, no matter how many times they go there. You know, it's very different when you're living and working there, and and, uh, you've given us sort of an insight into that. And Las Vegas will be in the news, I'm sure, a lot in in coming weeks uh, as Paris Hilton tries to wiggle out of the trouble she's been in there. Of course she will. (laughs) Thank you very much. Again, my guest was Jay Rankin. His book is Under the Neon Sky, A Las Vegas Doorman Story. And And Dr. Carroll, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carroll's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.